Well, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. And I am your host, Brian Pointer. So great to be with you. Here we are. It's hard to believe I say this so many times throughout the year, but we're staring down the end of another year. It's hard to believe we're just a couple weeks away from Christmas. Hopefully folks are making their final preparations. If you're like me, you haven't even started. We'll just pause on that for a little bit. Seems like I find myself in this position every year. It's kind of like my taxes, getting ready for taxes. I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm I'm not going to do the same thing I did last year, wait till the last minute. What do I do? I always wait till the last minute. It's Christmas, and we do wish you from Indiana Outdoors the best this Christmas season. And we have a great show, as we try to do each and every week. Brent Wheat joins us, the editor of Guns Magazine. He's one of our favorites. Now, Brent told me earlier in the week, uh, as we were kind of connecting and getting ready for the show, he had some stories that required him to take notes. Now, Brent has never been a guy without a whole litany of interesting subjects, not the least of which is Guns Magazine, but when he has to take notes, that's a big deal. Andy Parrish, Andy Parrish Outdoors. He uh, is one of those that loves to get out and uh, has so many great epic adventures. He's a Hoosier outdoor writer, and he loves the wintertime camping, the deep winter, cold weather camping and hiking, and he's done some great trips. He's got some tips that we're going to try to poach in on. And then Brown County, believe it or not, more awards coming to Brown County State Park. There is no end to the great list of accolades bestowed upon Brown County State Park. We're going to find out what that is all about. We're going to visit with uh, Patrick Halter, who is the assistant property manager down there. Folks, don't go anywhere. We want to give Brent Weed all the time in the world to find out what these stories that required notes were. When we come back, it's Indian Outdoor Show. It is Indian Outdoor Show. So thankful that you're able to join us this mid-December. Cannot believe we are already halfway through the season and uh, just a few. The run-up to Santa is getting closer and closer, just as a reminder. But still a lot of things to do in the great outdoors. Of course, we're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. You can do that sign up when you buy your hunting and fishing license. It's so convenient. Of course, I, your host, Brian Pointer, has mentioned at the top of the hour, it's always great to visit with our outdoor writer friends, Brent Wheat, highest among them, at least in this host's opinion, the editor of Guns Magazine. Brent, it's great to visit with you as always. It's been a minute since we've talked. How you been? Well, I've I've actually been better, if you can tell. I'm just getting over this flu that everybody seems to get, but... Uh, and I got to tell you, since we talked last time, I don't know, about a month and a half ago, I've had so much happen, I actually had to make notes. So oh, that's, a, that's always dangerous when you and I talk. <laughs> exactly. Well, it starts out with, uh, well, along the way, we get to the worst day of fishing ever and just my luck. So I've had a pretty good stretch here, and, and that, that all came crashing to an end. So, Uh-oh, tell me like, more. Would you like to dive in? Okay. Yeah, tell me more. Start at the beginning. 
Well, after we talked last time, I think it was uh, mid to late October, took the boat to Florida, had a great time. We went up to the Panhandle, Mexico Beach. I went out uh, by myself most days, and I caught a trophy redfish, 33 inches, landed it myself, took me 24 minutes, had my GoPro out, so I know that. It was it was incredible. It was wonderful. It was truly a trophy. And had a good time otherwise. The boat went wonderful. The weather was nice. And I was, you know, at the top of the world. And then we came home. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> the very next week, uh, we heard the lake trout were biting up at Michigan City. So uh, guys were catching them around the wall in the harbor. So I took the boat up there. And I thought that's a good good place to get the salt off the internals of the boat. So we headed up there. And let me just say that if you're having trouble with the bunk boards on your trailer, uh, putting silicone spray uh, does work. Okay. It works so good that as we're backing down the ramp, I couldn't figure out why my buddy was going so fast. And then I realized my buddy in the truck and the trailer had stopped. I was going fast. Oh, no. So if you've ever been in a boat that slid off a trailer, it's a pretty uh, dynamic experience. My buddy said at one point he looked up and the boat was like, 50, 50 degrees in the air. Oh, my. And uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, fortunately, we were far enough down the ramp. It slammed into the water. The transom went under. I got six or eight inches of water in the boat. We didn't even have the motor started. Uh, broke a couple of bunk boards on the trailer. So that that was the start of the day. So that had me a little uh, rattled and upset. Only that's the so, start, huh? Oh, that's just the start, Brian. So let me go back here. So you're trying to back this thing down. What was the silicone spray used for? Well, the bunk boards on my trailer are old enough that it's a little sticky getting on and off the trailer, and we had to put it in the water deeper than I like. So I read in several forums that you spray just standard silicone spray, and it makes it slide on and off very easily. All right. I forgot the part about you're not supposed to unhook it until it's actually touching water. So oh. we unhooked it at the top of the ramp. Oh, okay. Now I got it. Glorious. For, fortunately, we weren't down at Lake Monroe at, at like the ramp down by the uh, dam because I'd have probably shot 40 or 50 feet down the concrete if that had been the case. So, oh, my goodness. Keep going. Yeah. You, you had me at hello. So, <laughs> we've got the boat empty. The bilge pumps worked. I didn't put a hole in the boat. Didn't damage the motor. At <laughs> 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 a point. No, we're all good. It's beauty of live radio, buddy. I got it. I'm getting over it myself. Okay. So we head out to the uh, the lake, and the one to two foot seas turned out to be five or six. So after driving two and a half hours, we decided water coming over the side of the boat wasn't cool. So we head back. <laughs> <laughs> so my buddy puts puts the uh, trailer in the water. I'm worried about the bunk board that we broke on the way off the trailer. And it's very windy, and somehow I get it sideways, and I got to back off, make another attempt, and I somehow managed to slam into the steel uh, boat dock that's right there. <laughs> In the process, tearing my friend's electric downrigger off the transom of my boat. Oh no! So it almost goes over. I grab it, and as I was running to the back, I already had it in reverse. Well, I slammed it into what I thought was neutral. It went forward. Oh, no. So after I hit the concrete dock wall, then the back of the boat, I got it back into neutral, but then the back of the boat is drifting, and it somehow got the lower unit of the motor 
intertwined with the frame of the trailer. So it took us over an hour to get the two apart. It was stuck so bad I could lift the motor using the power trim, and it would lift the trailer off the bottom of the lake. Oh, my gosh. In the meantime, of course, there's a, there's nobody at the marina because all the boats are out of the water, but there is a work crew, and they've stopped working now because they're really enjoying all this. So after all that, we finally got the boat on the trailer, and as he's pulling me out, my hat flies off and the trailer runs over it. So that was the day. <laughs> I'm not uh, laughing at you. I'm just – um, there's so many people right now that are listening in the road, their cars, eating breakfast, whatever they're doing, going, <laughs> yep, yep. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Keep going. So, the, the very next week, um, I decided, uh, I'm sure you guys have been talking about it. If you haven't, the, the trout that they've stocked down at Zionsville. Yep. Um, been looking forward to that. I never. I didn't even know about it until last year. It was sort of kind of under wraps. Well, anyway, I decided <laughs> that, <laughs> excuse me, where I was going to go trout fishing, so I dig all my trout fishing stuff out, and I haven't been wading or trout fishing in a couple of years because of my knee replacement. So now everything's good. I'm ready to go. So it's 63 degrees the day I go down there. Beautiful day. And I get down there, and there's a lot of fishermen down there. And I thought, okay, these things happen. I'll find me a little private hole by myself. And uh, walk down to the water. The guy says, hope you brought your ice fishing gear. And I'm like, why is that? And he goes, because the ice. And I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. I figured it's just one of those guys trying to get me off the river, right? I walk down. There's a half inch of ice on the creek. Oh, no. It, it had been frozen from a week before. And there's guys down there actually trying to, like, stomp through the ice to bust open holes. So oh, no. Fly fish. Oh. All right. I like the enthusiasm. <laughs> I like where you're headed with this. I'm going to talk while you cough, which is always... Yeah, difficult. Uh, you know, I, this trout stocking is is a great thing, and that'd be kind of a, a bad day. You know, you're all excited, you get yourself all motivated, you drive down there, and then you can't go. So what happened? Yeah. So I got back in the truck and I came home <laughs> because I, I I it was too thin to go ice fishing and too thick to do any other kind of fishing. So that kind of shot that <laughs> in the pants. <laughs> I really apologize for that. So the next week, which was two weeks ago, I flew out to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Uh, It was a business trip. We were getting a tour of the Buck Knife Factory, which is very cool. Um, That I don't know if you saw the weather, but they had a early spring or an early fall blizzard. So I flew into 15 inches of snow in the mountains, which was beautiful. Except when we're getting ready to land, I look over, I can't see the the sky or the ground, but I can see trees about a quarter mile off the wingtip of the plane. So I just quit looking. Yeah. We had a wonderful time. I was only late an hour getting out, so made it home in time and flew into Indianapolis on a beautiful evening. Could see the, the lights at the state fairgrounds, and it was just wonderful. And I got home and immediately got the flu on my 60th birthday, and I've been down ever since. Wow. Let's just take a look. Other than that. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, I'm telling you, that is uh, quite a month that, you know, I I was listening to your story kind of shaking my head because (laughs) I thought that kind of stuff only happened to me. Now, I've never owned a boat. I've never owned a boat. And partially because they, I just have never had the opportunity or the reason, but they kind of scare me. And I've heard too many people 
tell me it's like ice. I'm petrified of ice too. And, you know, I just, I feel like there's so many things that could go wrong and there's so much opportunity for me to screw things up and knowing my proclivity to do that, it probably wouldn't go very well or it would be very expensive. So I just, (laughs) you know, I'd love to go in your boat sometime. Uh, I kind of wish I was there watching it. And at the same time, I'm, I'm so sorry that you went through all that, but it makes for a great story. It does. And as a, as an outdoor communicator, you know, if, if you have a great day, that's not really a very good story. But, you know, when you crash your boat and you rip stuff off of it and, you know, you you drive all this way and make all these preparations to find ice on a 63-degree day, those make for stories. Yes, they do. Brent Wheat, editor of Guns Magazine, longtime Hoosier outdoor writer. Great to visit with you, as always. So, in 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 your day job when you're not out just uh, creating stories for yourself tell us what's going on tell us about the podcast what's happening at guns magazine uh guns magazine as always is going great guns pardon the pun we're gearing up to the annual shot show that we're in the thick of that um lots of new guns and gear and cool stuff coming out we'll be doing some live reports every day from the shot show that's in uh, january the guns magazine podcast is is rolling fast and hard and we actually even started a second podcast of which i'm part of the gun cranks podcast so uh check out gunsmagazine.com and uh, americanhandgunner.com that's our sister publication and lots of good stuff great stuff gun stuff and uh it's, it's a good time, so I encourage folks to check all that out. You know, we are in the holiday season. Uh, subscription and, and alerting people to Guns Magazine is always a good thing, I'm sure, to put in somebody's stocking. But, uh, you know, we've got just a few weeks left here, and I know it's been a big year, and you're going to round the corner and then go to SHOT Show. What are things looking like for this year's SHOT Show? Are people excited? Is it going to be back and bigger? Tell me what your thoughts yeah. are. Yeah, I think so. It's uh, the industry's been in a big wait and see period uh, with the politics and all this at the end of the year, and everybody's got a much better sense of, of where things are going, and everybody's flush with cash right now um, and backlogged still, but <laughs> the uh, the the demand is is leveling out back to what it's uh, probably the historical trends. So everybody's excited to get back, and I think this is going to be the year that the floodgates on a lot of these uh, new products that have been kind of held back over the last couple of years. So it's going to be pretty exciting, I think. Brent Wheat, the editor of Guns Magazine. Now, I hate to ask this question coming off such an epic month, but uh, you, <laughs> you traveling? Are you doing any other adventures here this fall or this winter? Uh not at the moment, but uh, I'm always looking. Um, of course, we're coming up on Christmas, and uh, my my beautiful wife uh, reminded me that I have responsibilities here. So my first jaunt may be uh, uh, to the airport, may probably be out to the shot show. So, but you never know. People are always calling. I do have a very full schedule uh, coming up next year. Uh, we're going to be doing a couple of different things. So, uh, I'll have an opportunity to talk about those as, as we get closer. But the industry is really starting to get back into uh, the old ways, I would say. So, I, I think uh, my trips and my travel are, are going to get a lot busier in the next six months. Very quickly, talk about the the, the knife factory out in Coeur d'Alene. That had to have been a pretty impressive facility it was buck knives um honestly they, they've kind of slipped off the radar as you know the hot thing um they are a cool family-run family-oriented business with a lot of tradition and 
they're not trying to be everybody to everything. And I really gained a new appreciation for buck knives. And I'm probably going to give some and hopefully receive some for Christmas. Well, I too have had a couple of buck knives. My dad had a pocket knife that uh, he passed along to me. And you're right. They kind of did fall off favor. I mean, there's so many new gear. There's so many new things uh, across the gear spectrum, but knives and the buck knife is a great name, great tradition. Speaking of Christmas, you got your stuff all settled. I know you said you want to. <laughs> Certainly he jests. Yeah, exactly. I, I, first of all, I'm a guy. Second of all, there's what, two weeks left? <laughs> yeah, you and me both. You know, it's one of these things I've kind of slowed down a little bit and I seem to have found a little extra time. And I just remarkably am not into the uh, Christmas spirit, so I'm going to have to figure really? that out. No, I'm just not. And uh, and I don't know. It's not it's not unusual for me, but it'll it'll kick in here. As always, great to visit with you, Brent Weed, editor of Guns Magazine. Where can people find your podcast? Uh, GunsMagazine.com and any podcast directory. We're on all of them. Brent, I wish you uh, better travel successes. I'm glad you shared that story because there's a lot of people now that go, yep, I know exactly what happened and have uh, another story to tell. Well, we wish you well. Merry Christmas, my friend. If we don't talk before the end of the year, we certainly will right after and certainly before the SHOT Show. Thank you, Brian. Same to you. My pleasure. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I, your host, Brian Pointer, brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives. Don't go anywhere. Back right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. So great to visit with Brent Wheat, editor of Guns Magazine. As always, great stories that only could happen to guys like he and I. As mentioned, it's always good to visit with outdoor writers and those who are consumers of the outdoors. Let's just put it that way. Andy Parrish, Andy Parrish Outdoors. Uh, fellow Hoosier joins me in uh, on the Indiana Outdoor Show. I forgot to mention we are brought to you by... Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. Andy, it's great to visit with you. You've been a traveling guy since we last talked. It's been some time, but gosh, international travel and some great hiking adventures. How you been? Been doing pretty well. Things have been uh, pretty busy. So did you go to Europe, did I see somewhere in your social media pics? Yes, uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to, to finally take that uh, long-awaited trip to Italy. So we, we got to spend some time in Florence, Rome, and uh, Naples, uh, Sorrento, Amalfi Coast. Beautiful country. Wow, good for you. Well, you are a just an avid outdoorsman, and you've got some great – you use your teaching, and you like to get other people involved, and believe it or not – it's wintertime, but that doesn't mean your outdoor activities have to go away. You kind of seem to thrive in that environment, and more and more people are taking advantage of the outdoors in the winter season, but it does require a little different type of preparation, and you've done several winter deep experiences, and I thought it'd be good just to kind of visit and kind of what, what you have to get ready if you're going to go out into the winter wonderland. Uh, what are some of the unique things that you need to be prepared for? Well, you know, that's that's a great um, intro. I, I think from the winter camping standpoint that differs from, you know, the summer and 
you know, fall and spring that, you know, it's so busy and packed out there. Winter's such a great time to get outside. Um, you know, usually there's less crowds, there's more solitude. Uh, here in Indiana, the views, the views can be quite a bit better too with, uh, you know, the tree canopy down. But sure. you've got to be concerned about, you know, those temperatures and, and being out in the cold and, and being prepared. So, you know, staying warm, that that's probably the biggest thing. Um, that we coach, you know, our, our, whether it's teenagers or even, uh, you know, our, our new folks that are getting out for the first time and wanting to extend their camping season deep into the winter. Andy Parrish, Andy Parrish Outdoors, you can follow him. And I know you do a lot of teaching. You do a lot of stuff on YouTube and you're very good about bringing new people into the outdoors and you as i said are a consumer you practice what you preach you've you've done a few of these deep winter type experiences share some of your tips some of the things that you learned and where you went oh yeah oh, um earlier this year um last winter we had the uh opportunity to head up to uh the upper peninsula in michigan along lake superior and do a pictured rocks uh, deep winter camp out uh, for three days, two nights. Um, happened to be there in the middle of an actual blizzard. Um, so we had, you know, 50 mile an hour winds and, and snow just coming off the lake and um, doing wow. snowshoeing. And um, we actually took a hot tent up there to test out um, last year. Now, explain uh, what that is. I've heard you talk about it, I've seen these, but what is that? So hot tenting, you know, you, you may have some some hunters in the community that uh, are aware of these. They've been used for a long time, but it's really just a, a tent that allows for a wood-burning stove and stove pipe to then go through the roof of the tent and, you know, expel all the, all the smoke. But you get to sit inside a warm, comfy tent, um, cook over, you know, that stove, uh, much like you'd get a wood-burning stove at home. Um, and, uh, you can sit in, in relative comfort, um, in, in, you know, the deep back country in the middle of a blizzard. You know, people right now are probably going, what in the world? That sounds no fun whatsoever to go out in a blizzard in a tent. To me, that just sounds glorious. And one of the things that you hit on needs to be reiterated. When you go out into the woods, when you go out on a hike, when you do these types of experiences, the views that you get with no leaves, especially if there's snow on the ground, are just phenomenal and the sounds are amplified i don't know what it is in the winter time probably because there's not leaves and you know you can hear better you can see better and it just makes for an all-around better experience it, it really is it's a it's very different from any other time of year it's actually probably my favorite time of year to get out um, not only do you get kind of that solitude because there's not as many people that are out into these kind of wilderness environments. Um, but also, you know, that the snow environment has always just something that's really appealed to me. So, you know, getting to do something like pictured rocks in the middle of the winter, um, you know, yeah, we had to deal with that one day of some pretty ugly weather, but the following day, the sun was out. It, it was, you know, there were a few people moving around, but it was pretty quiet. You know, you get a foot of snow that had come down that night. So doing some snowshoeing and you get to see uh, what animals are out and about because all the tracks are nice yes. and fresh. It's, it's yes. just a beautiful time. So, <clears throat> excuse me, 
we ran across each other and you told me that you're getting ready or looking forward to a trip up to the Boundary Waters in the wintertime, this wintertime. Uh, I know you do a lot of work with young folks and scouting and other things. When do you plan to head up to the Boundary Waters? Well, we're looking at um, most likely it'll be February to head up that way. Uh, there's a group of, of folks up that way that uh, do a, a winter camp out pretty much every year. Actually, they do multiple ones up in Minnesota. To them, it's you know no big deal. Uh, but I think last year they had on one of their outings, you know, negative twenty, negative thirty below zero. Oh boy! But uh, but they're prepared. They've got, you know, fires roaring pretty much almost 24 hours a day. They've got the hot tents that are up there. They cook and eat like kings. So that was the one part that was really kind of amazing is doesn't matter what time of year, you know, if you can mix uh, sitting around a campfire with some good food, with some good friends, it sounds like a good time. Well, as they always, as I've always said, a campfire helps you see things in a different light. And I am a big fan of winter, a big fan. Nobody likes to be miserably cold and nobody wants to get hypothermic and be dangerous. But there's just something refreshing about being outside in the wintertime. So you talk about staying warm. That's elementary. But are there specific things that you do in the wintertime to keep yourself safe that you wouldn't necessarily do in the summer? Oh, absolutely. I I think you have to be much more cautious in that kind of environment for a few different reasons. First and foremost is you don't want anything negative happening to to you or your group, but also you don't want to put other people, whether it's search and rescue, you know, in a bad environment. So you're trying to take as many precautions and be in safe areas. Um, You know, when we went up to pictured rocks, for example, and we were looking at campsites, uh, we knew the winds were going to be bad. We needed to make sure we were in a fairly clear open area so that we didn't have, you know, worries of trees coming down and things like that in the wind. We didn't want to be anywhere near that, but you also have to worry about, you know, staying warm. Um, You know, the cold can, can get you real quick. So whether it's proper clothing, you really have to be aware of, um, overheating as well. So as we're hiking into pictured rocks last year, carrying 30 pound sleds behind us, we had to really stop and take our time because the last thing you want to be doing in below freezing temperatures is sweating. You just really have to worry about things like that. So taking your time and taking breaks and Hey, let's, you know, take a few pictures and calm down, let the heart rate come down a little bit. You really have to do those kind of things. So it's a slightly different mentality and, and different approach where in the summertime, who cares if you're sweating, you just, you plow through. Well, in the winter, that can be that can be very dangerous. Well, just generally staying dry, your feet, your hands, your extremities, sweating has always been a problem for me, especially when you're hunting. You know, you're out, you're, you're walking, you're climbing, you're doing stuff, you work up a lather, then all of a sudden you get situated and you realize you're sweating and you are miserable. So good tips. Annie, uh, where do you want people to go if they want to check out some of your YouTube, some of your uh, social media stuff if they want to get more tips or get in touch. 
Well, they can find me first and foremost on uh, YouTube at Andy Parish Outdoors, and they can also find me on Facebook at Andy Parish Outdoors as well. Those are great places to connect, see some of these videos, these deep winter campouts that we've done. Um, they can be a lot of fun, and you don't have to go big at the very beginning. You can you can start small. Andy, always great to visit with you. I wish you and your family a Merry Christmas, and thanks for being a part of Indiana Outdoors this weekend. Thanks, Brian. My pleasure. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. Great to have Andy with us. We're going to find out a new honor bestowed on Brown County when we when we return right after this. It is the Indian Outdoor Show. So much fun today. Great to have Brent Wheat, editor of Guns Magazine, and Andy Parrish. Andy Parrish Outdoors Winter Camping is upon us. No better place to do that than at Brown County State Park. And joining me now is uh, Patrick Halter, who's the assistant property manager at Brown County State Park. No better place in the world than Brown County any time of the year, but especially in winter. How you been? Oh, doing great, man. It is a beautiful time of the year, and we were just visiting with Andy Parrish, Andy Parrish Outdoors, who's your outdoor rider, and we were talking about the, the glories of wintertime camping, which people think, well, we put the tents away till next spring. A lot of folks love to get out in the winter, and I am one of them. So we had some visit with him, but you know, what another reason, we don't need another reason to go to Brown County, but I just saw recently that Brown County State Park ranked sixth in the country. For beauty. Now, I think there's a lot of beautiful places, but tell me more about this honor bestowed on Brown County State Park. Yeah, it's sort of a neat one. You know, it's one of those that they sort of took some social media statistics, uh, the amount of times people said beautiful when uh, talking about Brown County uh, on online, which is really great for us. You know, it's sort of a testament to the amazing staff we have at the park that we're able to, you know, get such amazing reviews of the place, you know. Uh, we know if, the, if the, the grass isn't cut and, the, uh, you know, the facilities aren't clean and Correct. we're not maintained, then, you know, the reviews aren't going to be great. So uh, to be able to have reviews like that online and, and in this day and age is amazing for the park. Well, you kind of stole what I was going to lead with, and that is you don't get great honors if you don't have a great park. And if you don't, you don't get a great park without great leadership like you and the others that work so diligently in these state parks. But Brown County is just seems to kind of add to the list of awards. It seems like it's always on the best of list, especially for mountain biking. It was added to the mm-hmm. National Register of Historic Places last year. And I, did I read somewhere that it was one of the most Instagrammed, if that's a word, yeah. parks in the country? Yeah, I think it was like, yeah, like number 13 on the most Instagrammed state parks in the country. And it is, I think that is a testament again to some of the recreational opportunities that we have at the park. We have so many. You mentioned the mountain bike uh, folks. It's grown to be such a big draw to the park. We have a a horse 
camp uh, down at uh, Horseman's Camp on the south end of the park that, you know, invites uh, hundreds of campers a weekend to come in and bring their horses and go riding on our 70-plus miles of trails. We have hiking trails, you know. So it's just this amazing amount of recreational opportunities, I think, to bring people to the park and and to Nashville. I mean, it's just that sort of that blending of, you know, get this amazing little town of Nashville, We've got this beautiful uh, uh, park with uh, beautiful views and, and lots of uh, woodlands. Uh, and so just all that coming together makes it such a special place that, of course, people are going to love it when they come. So It is certainly a beautiful place, and we all know. Uh, you know, when Director Coleman, Director of State Parks, and before him, Director Bortner, have all led with we're in the business of making memories at our state parks and they've treated that very seriously and i know all the great men and women that work in our state park system take pride in that and we kind of take it for granted if you think about how many state parks there are in our country and to have these types of honors is truly fascinating because there are so many and there's so many beautiful places but Mm -hmm. uh you guys work very hard especially at brown county we all know in the fall it's gorgeous and people come from all over the country it seems to experience brown county in the fall but you know we were just visiting about winter camping do you have winter folks down there that camp yeah oh yeah uh we are lucky enough to have one of our comfort stations that's open year-round so Buffalo Ridge Campground at Brown County State Park is is open year round and people camp all the time there. So what are you doing this time of the year as the uh, assistant manager down there? What's what's high on your priority list before the end of the year? Well, the good news is is that we get a little bit of downtime to just first of all get ready for next year. Um, we get to uh, pay homage to our great staff. Uh, we usually have like a holiday party, um, that type of stuff, um, and then also projects that we that we don't get to work on when it's so busy. You can't you can't work on projects. So we're doing some painting projects around the park, and you know, just uh, doing some some things you just can't do when there's so many people around. Well, we are very happy to have you a part of Indiana Outdoors. I know that you're very proud of that particular destination, Indiana. It's a gem and more honors. Brown County State Park ranked sixth in the country for beauty. If you can put a label on it, we'll take it. So, as always, thank you for being a part of Indiana Outdoors, Patrick, and continued success. And we look for more great things coming out of Brown County. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Sounded like I work at Chick-fil-A, don't I? It is my pleasure to be here as part of the Indiana Outdoor Show. Brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to savelives.org. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be back right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, mid-December. So happy to be with you. Christmas lights all over the studio, the beautiful circle downtown Indianapolis. Hopefully you've found your way here to the Circle City and enjoyed some of the great wintertime Christmas activities that are all over this great city this time of the year, and it just looks so nice. What a great show. You know, I told you at the top of the hour that 
Brent Wheat, outdoor writer, guns at magazine editor. He told me that, uh, hey, I had to take notes. There's been so much that has happened since we last talked. Well, he didn't disappoint. That is, if you missed his story about uh, his boat debacle, tearing up his boat, getting sick, uh, going out trout fishing on 65-degree day, but only couldn't do it because there was still ice out. You know, those are good stories. He's just uh, a litany of why I don't have a boat. (laughs) He's a great reminder of why I don't have a boat, and I would just mess it up. It'd just be too too many moving parts. Andy Parrish... Andy Parrish Outdoors. Go to his YouTube page. Just Google him. Find him on Facebook. He is a great outdoor writer and content creator, but more importantly, just a great outdoor enthusiast. And we were talking to him about camping in the wintertime. And many people might say that sounds no fun, but I'm a huge fan. I've been on winter campouts and there's just something I think you sleep better, uh, you know, you have to take some precautions, which he gave us some tips about. But if you ever have an interest in a different type of an experience, do some wintertime camping. No better place to do that than Brown County State Park. And we visited with Patrick Halter, who is the assistant property manager down there, ranked sixth in the country of six most of the top six most beautiful state parks as if they needed one more reason but i'm so glad for our state for brown county and all the staff down there folks remember to turn in a poacher 1-800-TIP-I-D-N-R have a great rest of your week get yourself ready for Christmas it's going to be here soon we'll be back next week have a great weekend everybody be safe see you outside see you outside